Daniel chapter um, 7, verses 13 to 14. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Another reading from Luke chapter 9, verses 21 to 27. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone, and he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Spirit of the living God, we thank you for another day for us to be in your presence. We ask that you will lead us and speak to our hearts. We invite your presence in our heart, O oh God. Prepare our heart for your word, that as we speak and as we listen, you give us a discerning heart to know what you are really sharing with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We've heard two different readings, one from the Old Testament and the other one from the Gospels. And I was trying to look at these two readings in relation to the cross as a major topic for today. And I kind of think Daniel, as a prophet, has a very good foundation for us as Christians to also reflect on his journey. I think the book of Daniel, if we should go back to the history of who Daniel is, Daniel was in Jerusalem, and there was a, um, there was a Babylonian besiege on Jerusalem. And because of that, Nebuchadnezzar took Daniel together with other people within Jerusalem royal place to Babylon. And what happened was that because Daniel was taken in there, Daniel was asked to serve there as well. And because Daniel has been in so much of challenges in a way that Daniel's history is said that Daniel comes from a royal family. 
And most of theologians believe that Daniel's history has to do with someone coming from the royal family to be from David's royal family. So Daniel was taken from a royal place to another place. But when Nebuchadnezzar took hold of these people, he took all the valued things and took together people he thinks physically are very worthy, physically they are very good appearing, physically they have what it takes for him, Nebuchadnezzar, to be using them in Babylon. So he took Daniel there. And Daniel, when he went there, was very, very faithful to God. He was faithful to God in a sense that it even got to the time when Daniel was asked to take a certain meal of which we are all aware of, he determined in his heart that I'm not going to do anything against the Lord whom I serve. And out of that is where comes this reading, where Daniel had a vision of what is meant to be happening in future. And in Daniel's vision, Daniel saw in the realm that there's going to be a time when someone like a son of man will come to deliver God's people from slavery. And these deliverance are intentionally drew our attention to where Daniel was coming from for us to know that this deliverance was specific that the one who is to come will be the son of man with great power. Someone who has been with a royal family has been taken to another place as a victim of war. So if Daniel is prophesying of someone coming, it's not going to be someone who is going to be domineering, who is going to put people under oppression. It's not going to be someone who is going to, you know, tarnish the image of people. It's going to be someone who is going to liberate his people from slavery. And this is what Daniel was talking about. And we see the fulfillment of that in our gospel reading. In our gospel reading, Jesus stepped out. And this is what Jesus was saying. He was declaring himself as the son of man. The very son of man who was prophesied in the book of Daniel, coming to, be, to come and deliberate or send out of captivity, take the people out of captivity, bring people and send the people out, make them free, send them to wherever they are desiring to be in their spiritual journey. And this particular person is what Jesus declaring himself. And Jesus in the gospel came out and saying that the spirit of God is upon me in Luke, when we read Luke chapter, Luke chapter 4, 18 to 19. We see the glimpses of that in Isaiah 61, where Jesus was saying, the Spirit of God is upon me. He has sent me to give sight to the blind, set people free. Those who are in bondage, it is me, Jesus, coming to set them free. So in this particular gospel that we read today, in the book of Luke, to move back for us to understand why Jesus was saying that, 
from Luke chapter 9, verse 1, we saw that Jesus was, he sent out the people, his disciples, go out and preach to the people. Tell them about the kingdom of God. Tell them who God is. Just tell them the good news. So these guys went out, and they came with a very positive result. And they were so happy. God, when we went there, people hear us. We set people free. And it's, they were so much pleased with what happened. And this event followed another event where a lot of people coming to Jesus at that time believed that Jesus was the son of God. So these people were so much that when it was in the evening, the disciples thought they have to tell Jesus to let these people go because they have no food to feed this quantum of people. So Jesus had to bless a very popular story we all know, five loaves and two fish. And these guys were all fed. Then come another thing. When Herod heard about this, he was terrified because when the people were following Jesus, they were declaring Jesus as John who has risen. They were declaring Jesus as one of the prophets. They were declaring Jesus as one of those prophets who has now come back again. Hang on, what are you talking about? I beheaded him. I've already beheaded John the Baptist. What are you guys saying? So he was terrified. But the disciples were so much happy that people listened to them. They, they were following a very, you know, authoritative kind of leader, someone with power, someone with, you know, great might. So Jesus at this point in his time has to pause and ask the disciples, what do you think I am? Who do you think I am? I'm not here to please you with these miracles. I'm not here to do these things to please you guys. Hey guys, what do you think? Who do you think I am? And I was reading a commentary um, by Tom Wright, and he was even saying that, who do you think I am? It's a way Jesus himself declaring himself as God. Because I am that I am is God. So who do you think? Who do you think? Yeah, I am. I am God myself. But who do you think I am? So he was coming from that argument. That it's not that he was in a way asking questions, but declaring himself that I am. I am. I am. I am is with you. The I am that your forefathers promised, he promised your forefathers about the coming of a Messiah. I am the one. But who, who, I want to hear from you. Who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? Then, ah, just as the same that people were also saying on the streets, they were also saying the same thing. Ah, John the Baptist, prophet. Peter, I know I've been with you for that long. I know this is what people are saying about me. But what about you, Peter? And I like the way Luke put it. You are God's Messiah. You are God's Messiah. 
And from that direction comes today's reading. So Jesus, today's reading, telling the disciples not to tell anyone comes from that background. That already there has been miracles. People are really following him because of miracles. People are really thinking that, oh no, Jesus is just one of those prophets coming with miracles. So he has to sit the disciples down to find out what is going within them as well. So after verifying with the disciples, then Jesus told them not to tell anyone. So if you just take what we read today as a unit, you may, we may not really understand. Because Jesus started by saying that Jesus told them not to tell anyone, not implying that we shouldn't tell the good news to anyone. But because after having special conversation with his disciples, knowing that the disciples were kind of, you know, following, having that idea of someone with authority, following someone with authority, but not really wanting to learn from Jesus how to sit them down. So when they had that revelation, this is what I need you. Keep it to yourself. And therefore comes today's reading. And I was comparing the gospel to all the synoptic gospels. Now, when you look carefully to the synoptic gospel, well, we all know that synoptic gospels say that they are synoptic because they have to be the same, like seen the same. But one thing I realized with the synoptic, especially with this particular reading, was that there was a kind of instruction these writers, Luke, Mark, and Matthew, trying to put up, and they follow in a very sequential way in all the synoptic gospel, telling the disciples, telling the disciples. And Jesus telling the disciples, don't be too much happy because people are following me. Don't be too much, you know, don't see yourself too much as someone who has, who, who has everything <laughs> because I am coming from a place of authority. And I'm not using this authority anymore. <laughs> I have an authority by my own. And this authority, I was even saying that if I should have, I should have had that authority, it would have been something else. Because look at someone in authority. And the reading is saying that the son of man had to suffer, be, be betrayed, and go through stuff, hard stuff, Hang on, Jesus. Daniel has already prophesied about the Son of Man who is coming. We've seen you as the one, the Son of Man. And it's not even us, you call yourself the Son of Man. Linking that to that apocalyptic uh, message that this man, prophet, gave us. It presupposes that you are the, the one for us to be expecting. But you are saying you are going to subject yourself to authority where people are going to abuse you. It is of no surprise to us that when John the Baptist heard about Jesus, I asked to question Jesus, are you the one we should respect? Because the kind of... Son of man prophesied in Daniel, a son of man with authority. But here come a son of man among 
excuse me to say, normal people. <laughs> Someone from a royal family mingling himself with normal people. Are you the son of man? The one that Daniel was talking about? So this is what was happening. And the disciples were also having that <laughs> kind of things going in their mind. Who is this son of man who is going to subject himself to people to abuse him, to be killed? Who is this man? And as I started, in this synoptic gospels, when you read Luke 9, as we read today, um, Mark 9, 34, and Luke 9, 23, and Matthew 16, 24. You see this fluidity. Whoever want to be my disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself. And I have a cross here, a very beautiful cross. Oh, it's broken, oh man. <laughs> Don't do this to me, cross. <laughs> whoever wants to be my disciples, whoever wants to follow this, this Jesus Christ, whoever is willing to come along with this man, irrespective of where you come from, irrespective of who you are, he gives us three things for us. Deny themselves. Deny themselves. Deny themselves. I may have things that I, I, I value in my life, but this man is saying that if I'm willing to take up this, I must deny myself. Deny myself of things that I love. Deny myself of things that I know they are good for me. Deny myself of things that I value much. Whoever wants to be my disciples, it's so hard knowing who you are, knowing your personality, knowing the kind of things you possess. Knowing the kind of things you have, and knowing what God says. Sometimes those things seem to contradict what you intend to do. Here you are, deny those things. Deny those things. Whoever wants to be my disciples. And this runs through all the synoptic gospel, and the sequence, the same. Deny. Deny. And the next one, after denying, it says, take up your cross. Take up your cross. And the cross is a symbol of our act of redemption. Imitation of Christ. Willingness to suffer for Jesus. That is the cross. That is the cross. Jesus was ready to be disgraced to be put to shame. Not because he was willing just to do for doing sake, 
But he was willing because of that prophecy. Daniel realized that a lot of people were being taken into captivity. There has been a spiritual captivity. There has been a people who see themselves happy, but inwardly they are struggling with stuff. Therefore, someone has to come to take up that shame, to take up that suffering for you and I to be set free. Deny. Take up that cross. Take it up and follow me. What kind of cross are you bearing? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends. Fix our eyes on Jesus. I know things are not working out with me, oh God. I know things are not working the way I really want, God. But my eyes is always fixed on you. I don't understand what is going on in my life. Well, I've done my part. I don't understand what is going on in my own life. Sometimes you sit down, you look at sequences of events, how they are unfolding in your own life. You tend to question God. <laughs> it might be your cross. But Jesus is not saying that, put that cross down. Take it up and follow me. Take it up and follow me. And Jesus was willing to be humiliated. And I like the way Mark and Luke gospel said, and even Mark also said similar one in Mark 8:31. The son of man must undergo suffering, be rejected, and be killed. And one thing is, just if it were supposed to be just be rejected, it should be okay. But be killed. The consciousness of what lies ahead of Jesus was so confronting. And he was even sharing with the disciples, I'm not denying you the fact I'm going to be killed. I'm not denying you the fact I'm going to suffer. I'm not denying you the fact things are not going to work out for me as you guys think. It's going to be hard for me. He was humiliated. But this guy was ready to suffer for that, for our sake. And he's saying that whoever wants to be my disciples, whoever wants to be called my follower, be willing to do the same thing I have done. The cross is how God accomplishes our salvation. This is a true representation of our salvation. Our very being, our, the, the very intent of our creation. God created us. We possess the spirit of God in us. God has something special, always for his people, of which we find ourselves to be in. Yes. Sometimes we need silence in our lives. To just think about where our life is going with the cross, the kind of cross we are bearing. Sometimes you just have to sit with a cross and just look at the cross. 
God, this cross seems very heavy for me. This cross seems very heavy for me. I don't understand, God. Why do I have to pass through ABC? Why do I have ABC, you know, surrounding me? Why do I have these things? You said those who give their lives to you, you will never go and put them to shame. And from the way I sit back and look and focus ahead, I can see where my life is going to end. It's not going to be palatable, God. It's not going to be nice. It's not going to be what your word says. Take up your cross and follow me. And the cross demonstrates our endurance and obedience, denotes our faithful in suffering and persecution. Our faithful in suffering. I'm suffering, God. I'm going through hard things. I'm going through hard times. The one we are following had already taken that for you. And the last one, it says, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And when I look through all these, they all seem to be very, very active words, like command, in a, in a command way. Deny. Take up. And now he say, follow me. So it's like God is not saying in my view, that it's something that we have to waste time doing it. It is something that God is admonishing us to take it up, deny ourselves, deny ourselves of things that impede our spirituality, deny ourselves of things that we know they are not going to help us to grow spiritually. Deny ourselves of things that cloud our minds, prevent us from activating our faith. Deny ourselves of things that are really limiting us spiritually. Deny ourselves of the very intent of your creation, things that God has created, invested in you. Sometimes God knows you and knows where you are heading to. Even though you don't understand, just have to say, God, I don't know. But that's my cross before you. And says, take it up and follow me. Take it up and follow me. I know when, as you sit down, there are so many things going on in your life that we sometimes, I do, think that because of ABC, I can't go along with God. I hope this thing will not fall. There are so many things sometimes in my own life. I feel sometimes that this is so hard, God. This is so hard, God. Take it up and follow me, God says. Take it up and follow me. Discipleship requires action. Discipleship requires action. That is why Jesus used action words. Deny, take, follow. Deny, take, follow. So that should be our mentality. 
In every situation, sometimes I do myself, in every situation that I find myself, I activate myself in these three things. This is what I really want to do, God. Is there something significant in this thing that I want to do that I have to deny for me to walk in your path? Is there something in this thing that I, I want to do that I have to take for me to walk alongside as a disciple? What is it in this that I have to follow you with? And that is what God is telling us today. And I have a picture up there. And as I was doing my reflection, just I had this image in mind. And, well, it's something that I went online and took it up because it resonates with the kind of things that I was trying to. This guy seems to have a lot of cross behind him. He can turn back and see a lot of crosses just around him, such that instead of going along with his life, seems to relax sitting in a chair giving up. I have a lot of crosses behind me. I can't. I can't, God. I can't go along with this, God. This is so hard for me. Look. He's just sitting down and looking around. I have cross A. Oh, this one is a bigger one. I have a bigger cross here. Maybe someone may have one in his neck or something like that. Yeah, you have one, right? <laughs> These are all crosses around me, God. I can't move forward. It is okay for us to sometimes question God. It is okay for sometimes doubt God. It is okay to sometimes look around and ask certain questions. But sometimes it seems not okay when you allow those things to overshadow the power of God in you. Sometimes it's okay, but the power that you sitting here, you have in your speech, is so much of a power than the kind of things that we are surrounded with. That is why sometimes God just needs a speech from you to activate things in your life. So when we speak, so being created in the image of God, being a son of man coming in his own God form as Jesus, there wasn't anything that Jesus did without speaking. He commanded. He spoke. He healed. He spoke. So whatever Jesus did was out of speech, out of speech. So if we have that authority in us, in my point of view, if we don't activate those things with authority that God has given us, then we are going to be clouded 
with a lot of things that are not supposed to be around us. So as a disciple of God, these are the things that we are surrounded with. But God is saying that we have to take them up and follow him. Be faithful to God. Don't allow these crosses to determine or to diminish the power that God has given you. And Paul says in Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians 1, 23 to 24, that we preach Christ crucified for those who are called. Christ is the power of God. Christ is the power of God. If we have accepted Jesus Christ and God is in our heart, he is powerful. Whenever, I remember when I became, first became a Christian, we used to say a sinner's prayer. God, I've given up my life to you. Um, I invite you. Let your spirit come and sit in my heart and take control of my heart. Take control of my life. So I'm no more in charge of my life, but God. God is in charge of my life, not in charge in a negative way, as we know worldly authorities are, but in charge of your life in a way that will shape your life for your own good. In charge of your life in a way that will journey alongside with you to help you to discern where your life is going. In charge of your life in a way that he will hold you by hand as a son, as a daughter in times of trouble. In charge of your life, not in charge of your life for someone like ordinary people who is going to abuse that opportunity you've given. But in charge of your life because he knows who you are. He knows at the level at which your spirituality is. This is a God who is saying, take up your cross and follow me. I always say that sometimes God brings us to a certain geographical location for a purpose. You are not sitting here by an accident. You are here as part of Billy Bone congregation. So whatever we believe, whatever we set our eyes on, whatever we prayerfully head our, you know, bring our things together to move towards as our target, God has a purpose for that. And I like the fact that we are the disciples of God. We are the disciples of God. We are to make disciples. Be a disciples. We are making disciples. This is the very intent. This is the very thing that God has. When God created us, he put his own image in us. When Abraham was in his family, he said, no, I don't want this blessing to be just with this particular geographical location. Move out. So Abraham was asked to move out to be a blessing to other nations. And in the book of Genesis, when the guys were trying to put a building, oh, we don't want to go anywhere. We want to be here. They were asked to move out, and they refused. And what happened? God lied. Oh, there was a confusion. They, when they say they give instruction, there was, they couldn't even understand their own language. So God had to spread have a way of spreading them out. What am I saying here? God has brought us here to be a blessing to each other, to be a blessing to his kingdom, to be a blessing for each one of us. It is for a purpose. For a purpose of what? Being an example. Being an example to others. Being an example in a way of discipleship, in a way of telling people who God is. How do we share our faiths? 
And I like the way it is said, the word of God. It's a good news. It's a good news. I remember when we first gave birth to our first um, daughter. We have to face, hey, hey, mommy, 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 mommy. Blah, 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 blah. We had our daughter. <laughs> Happy. Then we, another thing came. When I got my... ABC, mommy, 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 I've had this. Oh, we are happy. Good news ought to be shared. Good news ought to be shared. If we have good news, and I think if you have a good news yourself, you wouldn't sit down like that. You always go out, try to share. So if the gospel is a good news for us, and we are the disciples of Jesus, we have to share this good news. And it, it doesn't really have to be like going out in a very, you know, specific way. But sometimes, even at my workplace, I remember when I was a chef, my, my boss said, wow, Sam, why do you believe in this? I don't want to use the word. Why do you believe in this? Why do you believe in that? Who believes in that? I said, well, that is what I feel. That is what my callings are. Said no. Well, he went away, and the following day, he came and said, "Ah, you know what? I was thinking about what you told me. <laughs> what about if a day comes and it it all turns out to be what these guys are saying to be true? He is not a Christian, if I should be, but he said, what about if it turns out, even if?" It turns out that what they are saying is true. <laughs> then I'm going to miss out. Then I'm going to miss out. It gives him another reflection. It gave him another reflection. Sometimes in your own journey, a friend may just approach you. Sister, brother, this is what I'm going through. It's a great opportunity for you to ask the permission of the person. Is it okay for me to pray for you? Is it okay for me to journey alongside with you in prayer? Share the good news. You have an opportunity. Sometimes you'll be with someone and the person will keep complaining about so many things that you see within your heart that things are not working out with the person. Just the word to say, God loves you. God loves you. I'm a Christian. Is it okay for me to promise you of my prayer? You don't even have to share. Is it okay for me too? The image of God in you the good news in you, just like ordinary good news that you can keep by yourself and has to be shared in you, has to be shared. And you don't have to be in a specific location or specific group or specific language. If language should be a barrier, we wouldn't have it here because, well. <laughs> if culture should be a barrier, I shouldn't have it here. And I like the way Jesus said in the gospel reading, there is no barrier. There is no hindrance. There is no language. In him we are all one. So wherever there is an opportunity for you to share, it can be just one word for the person to know that this, your identity is a Christian. You are a Christian. This is my identity. When I came here, I've, I've realized the laws. <laughs> The law seems sometimes restrictive and here and there, but it doesn't really prevent you from sharing your faith. 
but it prevents you from using your faith as abuse against someone. I may be wrong. So we always ask permission. But sometimes, I remember when we used to go out to the city and share the word with some people, and we got to a point when we got to hear about these laws and stuff like that, we have a certain group of people, oh, what about if we go and, what about if we go and, what about if we go and, why the ifs? Don't, don't you believe in God? Just go and do it. The consciousness of what the legal aspect of things are it's good for us to know what lies ahead of us so that we discern the way we communicate. There shouldn't be a barrier because these legal aspects of things are there for us to avoid abuses of which some of us are witness to. But we shouldn't use that, sometimes I do, as an excuse for not going out. God is with us. God knows you. You've been destined for greatness. And that is why God is calling us. And we should not assume a crossless discipleship. We shouldn't assume a crossless discipleship. A discipleship without a cross. A discipleship without a cross. So that whenever you start doing something in someone's, maybe sharing the word and you have a barrier, then you stop. Prayerfully persevere. Prayerfully persevere. You can even take one person, just one person in your locality, just one person in your family, just one person in where you work, at your workplace, just one person. I know... I know he or she may not agree with me, but I have chosen him or her that I'm going to pray for him or her. In your heart, I've chosen to do this just for the sake of this cross. I've chosen to do this. And I just want to challenge you that this is the very intent of your creation, to be a disciple. This is the very intent of your being to be a disciple. And you don't have to be ashamed of it. Wherever we are to workplaces, try and help people to come to God. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Give us a discerning heart. Give us a discerning heart. Give us a discerning heart. Give us a discerning heart, Lord. We praise your name and we thank you. We worship you, O oh God, that whichever crosses that we are carrying, help us to descend the direction where you are taking us to. In Jesus' name, amen.